This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today I'm thrilled to welcome wellness expert Jovanka Ciaris, who has just written a fabulous new book called, here it is, Reclaiming Wellness, which offers so many wonderful, fun, and easy ways for you to just feel like and be your most radiant self. The book, Reclaiming Wellness, Ancient Wisdom for Your Healthy, Happy, and Beautiful Life, highlights the multicultural roots of a wide variety of popular health trends and really speaks to everyone with an emphasis on people of color who, Jovanka says, have struggled disproportionately with preventable diseases. I have to tell you all that this book felt like a shot of adrenaline with wonderful mindfulness meditations and visualization techniques, ways to experience nature, music, and community to heal and connect. It's almost like a refresher course and more. I just love this book. In it, there are also beautiful ways to make movement feel like self-love and less like dreaded exercise. We all know what that feels like. And finally, there are practical and affordable ways to incorporate plant-based whole foods into even the most time crunch routine. So wherever you are in your wellness journey, if it's at the beginning or if you're a real expert in wellness, this is really a wonderful guide on how to reclaim your wellness. And I want to just tell you a bit more about Javanka. Javanka Sierras is not only the author of Reclaiming Wellness, her newest book, but she's written many other books. She is a certified wellness expert, integrative herbalist, nutrition educator, and a coach. She offers lectures and workshops in both Spanish and English. She studied nutrition with best-selling author T. Colin Campbell, PhD, at his Center for Nutrition Studies in partnership with Cornell University and Herbalism, Plant Medicine with Tiarona Low Dog MT. She's a native of Puerto Rico. She now lives in Los Angeles, where she's coming to right now. So exciting. Jovanka, welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Jovanka, first of all, congratulations on this beautiful book, which, as I mentioned off the top, is kind of like a shot of adrenaline. I don't know. It just sort of gave me a, a wake up. And in fact, when I read it, I stayed up all night reading the book and I couldn't put it down. Can you take us back to your wellness journey, which really started when you were 25 years old, you were living in New York City and you were existing, as you put it, on dried cereal for breakfast, a fast food combo for lunch and a chocolate candy bar for dinner. I have to hear which candy bar it was. <laughs> and you were often writhing in pain. And this part's, of course, not funny. You were writhing from pain from digestive symptoms eating this way. And eventually you said your health issues forced you to change your behaviors and learn how to cook and go back to the wonderful home-cooked meals that your mom and grandma had taught you. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about how you began creating wellness practices and really practicing self-love, which is something that is actually available to all of us? Yeah, absolutely. 
Just like you said, I, I went to New York City as a young adult to study and to take all of the big city like New York has to offer. And there's a lot of grinding, right? And a lot of hustling, which was great, but I moved away from my nature, right? What, what nature intends us to do. Yes. And to answer your question, the, the bar, the chocolate bar was Snickers bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my favorite which, too. <laughs> which I don't need anymore, but it still is my favorite. Uh, and I struggled with what later I learned was IBS or irritable bowel syndrome, but I had ulcers. I had a oh, lot boy. of hormonal disruption, endometriosis, fibroids, uh, some of which were the size of my fist. So I looked relatively young and healthy, but my body was falling apart. And unfortunately, Western medicine considered all of those conditions that I mentioned chronic in nature, but Mm non-curable. And so as a young person, you can imagine that wasn't acceptable to me. I was like, I cannot go through the rest of my life struggling with all this pain and disruption. Mm -hmm. So I decided to look elsewhere. I started by learning about diet and what it does, what food does to your mind, body, and soul, because it's not there just to nourish your body, but also it nourishes your mind and soul. And eventually discovered things like Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, Western herbalism. And what I learned became a big, big passion, not only because my body started to heal, but because I realized why is this information is not available out there. I, I had to dig it out. So I decided to go back to school, became a, a nutrition educator, a coach, and an mm. herbalist. And that was 10 years ago, and I haven't looked back. Isn't that wonderful? You say there are seven wellness concepts, and I want to dive into all of them in a moment. But can you first tell us what inspired you to write this book, Reclaiming Wellness? Yeah. At the beginning of the 2020 pandemic, like everybody else, I was huddled in my home, tethered to the screens, looking at all the statistics. And we started listening to the news and saying certain people seem to be affected by not just this crazy virus, but a lot of comorbidities and preventable conditions. Mm -hmm. And it broke my heart. I realized that even though I've been working as an educator for 10 years, this knowledge was still not widespread. And I created the Reclaiming Wellness Initiative, which aims to educate people of all walks of life for little to no money on how to live and how to embrace and reclaim these wellness practices. While Mm -hmm. I was teaching, I realized all of these wellness practices have one thing in common. They're very popular and they're not utilized by the people that originally created them, right? They they come from multicultural Mm -hmm. communities from around the world and were passed on from generation to generation. And it's important that we reclaim them because they are the practices of our ancestry. So it's a way of honoring our ancestry and with it, our rightful state of wellness. What is your definition of wellness? What is wellness for you? Because it's obviously a very loaded word. It is. And I think that if you ask 20 people, you'll get 20 different answers. Wellness to me is a way of living. It's a way of being with the understanding that we are never going to be 
always in balance. Wellness then becomes the, the conscious actions that you take in every single day to help you restore balance with the understanding that our bodies are connected, mind, body, and soul. And sometimes our bodies are out of balance, but our mind and spirits are very much in balance. So you make decisions every day that will help you restore that balance. And it will look different to you than it will look to me, depending on my needs. As you say in the book that modern wellness industry has a diversity and an inclusion problem. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. When I first started embracing practices like yoga, meditation, plant-based living, I would go to all these conferences and I would be like the odd man out. Rarely did I see people that looked or sounded like me. Um, Mm. it, It tends to be a very homogeneous group. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way. And I think it's a combination of the service industry, the wellness industry on the service side, the product side, and also the, the experts out there need to do more to open up their spaces to different demographics and also create spaces in places where we're not accessing all these people as well. Well, I think what you're saying is it's not the blonde, blue-eyed California person that invented this. This goes way, way back in time to so many cultures and so many societies and civilizations and indigenous people that it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of crazy. And, and you're right, it is available to everyone. It doesn't have to be, oh, you can afford to go to this spa in California. Mm-hmm. You're actually in LA, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really available for everyone. And what is the most important thing you want BIPOC to know about wellness? First and foremost is that it is yours, right? It is part of your ancestry. It is part of your lineage. And it is something that you need to be proud of. It is not just for the privileged few. It's now for, as you said, it's now for the super skinny, super flexible, you know, ladies in yoga pants all day long. It is ours to reclaim. And if we do, if we actually learn to embrace it, and of course, there's many ways in which we can go about doing that. We can hopefully prevent those conditions that are plaguing us today, things that are highly preventable, like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, and other conditions. Absolutely. Your book actually traces the history of numerous wellness practices back to cultures historically populated by people of color. Can you give us a couple of examples of some of those wonderful places? Yes. I mean, I, I, when I was doing research for the book, some of them are very obvious, right? Like yoga, everybody knows it comes from India. So, and it comes from actually some of the poorest areas in India where people were trying to attain levels of spirituality with movement. But the ones that is, that are not as obvious is the use of essential oils where the ancient Egyptians, those people that populated Northern Africa were some of the first ones to play around with them, but to perfect the art of taking a plant and they distill it into an oil and then distill it further and then utilizing them for medicinal purposes, but also for emotional and spiritual purposes. And a few cosmetic purposes too, I'm sure. sure There's a whole beauty thing happening. (laughs) That's what I was thinking of. That's so funny you said that. You know, I'm working with a wonderful nutritionist and fitness consultant named Suzanne Galuzzo, who always talks about preparation being the key to success. And she also suggests that we meal plan and we meal prep on Sunday before, you know, the busy week ahead. You also say in the book that preparation is the key to success. Why is planning such a key part of the wellness journey? Yeah, we are creatures of habit. 
there's no two ways about it. So instead of trying to do too much and expect to do it without any kind of plan or preparation, especially the emotional kind, it's a recipe for failure. Mm -hmm. So if instead, and, and props to your nutritionist that also talks about preparation on weekends, I talk a lot about Weekends is because it's one time where we tend to have a little bit more extra time. Mm -hmm. And yes, it is important that we prep physically, whether it is cleaning the kitchen of junk food, making sure that we have the, all the ingredients to cook. But I also go further and I tell my clients all the time, we need to walk around the home and find time to reclaim our space and reclaim mm -hmm. our time. We as mm -hmm. women, especially, tend to be givers. We give a lot of us and we are depleted because of that. So if instead we just go around the room and say, what is the one space I know where people are not going to bother me for like, say, 20 minutes? And maybe yes. that will mean waking up 20 minutes early. Yes. To get, you know, to then embrace that practice, whether it is meditation or visualization, then that's something that you deserve. Yes. No, I love that. I, I'm just visualizing that you can nestle a wonderful little meditation cushion there or a wonderful yoga mat yep. or maybe even a little desk to do some journaling in mm -hmm. or just a space that is that is going to be your own. I'd love to talk now about what I referred to earlier, the seven wellness concepts. And I just want to list them for all of our listeners. We may not get to all of them, but I'd love the listeners to know what they are so they can get this wonderful book, Reclaiming Wellness, and try them. So one of them is plants that help us heal. And the next area is going within. And the third is yoga and other forms of movement. Love that. A plant-based diet, oil, water, and heat, music and community, and grounding in nature. And each one of these could be a full show is what I was thinking about when I was putting the script together. But I'm wondering if we could just start by talking about the healing property of plants and how to create more of a plant-based diet. Like, and before you start, I, somewhere in your book, you said, imagine your plate and the animal protein is just one small side portion and everything else is the vegetables. I found that so evocative. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm an herbalist by trade. I love my plants. Uh, there's many reasons why I love them. Certainly because they're their safety data is really strong. There's a lot of studies showing how effective they are and how safe they are for most of us. Mm -hmm. They're very easy, relatively inexpensive, and they work. You get a little anxious and you take a little Tulsi tea or a little lemon balm tea and you start noticing how you can feel focused and a little bit less overwhelmed in a matter of 20 minutes. And then it's easier for you to become a convert, right? Like you're <laughs> like, oh, this worked. What else can I try? And the good news about herbs is that if there's one that doesn't work for you, don't despair. There might be another dozen of them from all over the world. And to your point about the concept of the book, every culture of the world has used plants to help us heal. Mm -hmm. So chances are your ancestors, your grandmother, your great-grandmother used them for their benefit. And when it comes to a plant-based diet, it is the diet that I recommend in my practice. Most of my clients are not vegan or 100% plant-based, but they come to me with disruption, with pain and discomfort. And it's a lot easier to just move to another diet when you realize that your body is already sort of like, you know, smacking you down. Mm -hmm. What I aim at talking to people here is, while I believe and I give you the science that shows why a plant-based diet is important to you, if you're not ready 
to go 100% plant-based, that is okay. There is still a lot that you can do to include more plants into your diet, eat the rainbow, reduce inflammation and all the amazing benefits that that new diet will come with. I love when you say in the book that the plant should be the seven colors of the rainbow. So that's not the plant, sorry, the plate should look like the seven colors of the rainbow. Yeah. Can you just actually paint us a picture of what a beautiful plate would look like using mm. that philosophy? Yes. So one of the things that I do is I go to the market and I literally, there's seven colors in the rainbow and you can just wander around the, the market and pick something that you already love to consume and perhaps one or two things that you've never tried or you are just a little, you know, hesitant about trying that is also colorful. And then what I normally do is I make a big stir fry of vegetables, of mm. all these seven vegetables. And that will last me two to three days in the refrigerator. So that's literally guaranteeing that you will have a lot of colors on your plate. So if you look at it, and it doesn't have to be with every meal, right? It could very easily be, you know, three colors on breakfast, two colors at lunch, and none of the three colors at dinner and mix and match. Nice. There's so many amazing things out there. You cannot do wrong That's with a so plant-based great. diet. It just sounds so appetizing. It sounds so wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, it just gives me so many really cool ideas. I, I just want to also ask you just about some of the herbs that you were talking about before. Like, what does turmeric do? How can turmeric mm. help you? So turmeric is one of those amazing little um, roots that we now know based on studies, but also based on about 6,000 years of anecdotal evidence that it helps us reduce inflammation, especially at the musculoskeletal level. So the musculoskeletal system, meaning people that struggle with arthritis or with Mm -hmm. severe nerve and muscle pain. The one thing about turmeric is that it's very popular today but we also need to learn how to consume it, right? For us to use it at a clinical level or for therapeutic purposes, we need to consume a large amount of it, roughly 1,500 milligrams, which I would say is about two to two and a half tablespoons. And so it's a lot (laughs) of turmeric. So prove that some plants you can take it as tincture, some as tea form. And in the case of turmeric, I often recommend people to use it in pill form because Mm -hmm. also they need, it needs to be in the presence of pepperine or pepper, the active ingredient of pepper. Otherwise, mm. it's not as bioavailable. So we need to educate ourselves and learn a little bit about what works. But you can go to your local health food store and talk to your herbalist there, and they will be able to recommend how, when, and how much to take. One thing that I'm doing is we make a little elixir for the first cup of coffee of the day that the nutritionist has set me up with it, and in it is maca powder. Mm. I love it. What is that? <laughs> what does that do? Maca is an adaptogen. It's also a stimulant. So it's, it's a nerve and essentially helps the nervous system. And it helps us with like the Inca warriors used to use it to help them have the stamina needed to go into, you know, war and then fight for hours and hours. So people that are trying to lose some weight and go into the gym and, and kind of have a strong workout can use it. It is really great at helping us balance our hormonal system. Some people claim that it's an aphrodisiac. I have tried it for years and I have not noticed. But hey, but it's incredible at helping you balance and restore and kind of like have focused energy. 
That's so cool. I'm also a yoga and meditation teacher, so I loved your section on the ancient practice of yoga and other forms of movement, and especially how you went to your first yoga class and told your teacher how you wanted to use yoga as a form of exercise and asked if you could borrow one of their mats. And she said to you very sweetly, recognizing you were a newbie, that yoga will be much more than that. You will see. And it was for you. Of course, it began, I think, a 20-year love affair for you. Can you tell us more about your evolution with yoga, how you devoured it, what you love about it, and really what its greatest benefits are? Yeah. You know, I originally went to my first yoga class because I was trying to look for alternatives to help my body heal. And also, you know, as a Taipei living in New York City, I was like, I need something that helps me heal, but also gives me a good workout. And she was, she sat there and she's like, it is so much more than that. (laughs) And um, it was a great to do meditation, to be in my body, to connect with the part of me that I was pushing aside for many years because, you know, you're just, you don't need any help emotionally. You got it. (laughs) You know, when you're young, you believe that, you know, too much. And then, you know, once I started learning, I not only from my own experience, but from learning about yoga, I recognize that it not only helps you stretch and bring oxygenated blood to all kinds of different parts of the body, but it could be a great complement to your spiritual and emotional practice mm-hmm. as a way to connect with your spirit, with your breath to begin with, right? The ability to say, I, I am here, I am present, I am alive, mm-hmm. and I am a human being that is highly imperfect and how beautiful it is that I am imperfect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I've been to yoga classes where you cry, where you laugh, where you just feel nothing, when you feel all of the feelings all oh, at the- once. It's just, it is truly an incredible practice. Was this first class a Hatha yoga class? Do you remember what type of yoga it was? That's a good question. I don't remember the type of yoga. I I, I remember that I was very grateful that some, some teachers, and you'll find it. I mean, you'll find one teacher or one style of yoga for your specific need. Yes. or your style. And I was really grateful that she was very open because I've had other yoga instructors that have told me, no, this is the way and the only way. Yes. <laughs> and yes. it's like, okay, that works for you, but not necessarily for me. You also said that yoga instructors of color are embracing the concept of decolonizing the mind. Can you tell us more about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was interviewing one of the instructors for the book, we talked about the, the idea that when you see these practices today, because we live in a modern world and in big developed nations, we are seeing these practices from the lens of those that developed the practices in the yes. last several decades, not necessarily from all the way back thousands of years ago. And that tends to be only one lens, right? That lens that is more homogeneous, tends to be wealthier, a different kind of demographic. And it forces us to see things from somebody else's point of view without recognizing our own realities, our own upbringings, our own issues. And the concept of decolonizing the mind is just simply a question of what if we could potentially see these practices, not from the lens of the modern way of the modern society, but from the lens of 
those people that came before us, before they were colonized. <laughs> yes. And not create this idea that everything needs to be for perfect. Like in this society, we, we always find excuses, right? I will go to a yoga class when I lose 30 pounds. Yes. Or I will <laughs> go when I'm more flexible than I am today. And then it will never happen, right? There will always some reason why we just put it aside. Mm-hmm. If instead we stop thinking that everything needs to be perfect, and yes. we simply open up our mind to these spaces and create it our own. If we don't feel comfortable in those other spaces, then we find our own spaces and create a practice that is just ours. That's lovely. I love that. You also talk in the book, by the way, everyone, this book is so chock full of health. It's got so many great ideas. One of my favorite things in the book is tapping, which I've used as a life coach mm. with my clients. Can you tell us more about reclaiming tapping and how, for example, it can be used very successfully to address things like anxiety? anxiety and worry. And, you know, there are nine points that you tap on. Uh, If this was TV, we could demonstrate them. But I'm wondering if you could just tell the listeners, because it it is something you can hear and know how to do, what those nine areas are that you tap on and what it will achieve. Don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break and more on tapping with Javonka Sierras and how it can really relieve anxiety, physical pain, stress, and so much more. All of this when we come back. Be right back after this short break back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And I'm having the most delightful conversation with Javanka Sierras, author of the book Reclaiming Wellness. And we were just talking about tapping. Javanka, can you tell us more? Yeah, so tapping is a fantastic practice to help us connect with our meridian point. So it's similar to, you know, acupressure or acupuncture, just simply using your fingers instead of needles or other instruments. And the idea is you tap these nine points in your body as you recite beautiful affirmations or mantras to help you achieve a goal. And we tend to focus on one goal at a time, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's losing, uh, reducing anxiety, you know, managing whatever it is, fear or sadness or grief, whatever it is that we're, we're working on. The nine points are the karate chop, which is this point around the hand or the outside of the hand, the mm-hmm. top of the eyebrow, just above the eyebrow, the mm-hmm. side of the each eye. So mm-hmm. kind of like on the temple, mm-hmm. under the eye, directly under the eye, under the nose. So between the nose and the upper lip. The chin point, literally just the tip of your chin point, mm-hmm. the top of your collarbone, right at the top of your chest, below the armpit, it could be either armpit, <laughs> and the top of the head, the crown of your head. Yes. Love that. 
How many times do you want people to do it all the way through so that they can complete a full cycle in the tapping? Because I I don't know if I do it enough times. I do it a couple of times, but I think you said somewhere in the book seven times. Yes, I do seven to 10 times. So you repeat the same phrase over and over as you do the, the nine points. So one cycle is nine points. So you do that seven to 10 times and you can do that once a day and move on with your day. But if you're struggling a lot with whatever you're working on, you could do it, you know, three, four times a day. The more often you do it, the more your subconscious mind will start to connect with that part of you that says, yes, it's okay for me to change this behavior into something that actually works for me. It really does work. And I can tell you, I had a hand surgery and I need a second one from an accident that I had with glass on my hand. Don't ask. <laughs> um, and uh, basically the nerve pain was very, very bad after the surgery mm. for a few months and nothing was working, not the medication, nothing that I did. And I did some tapping and it's amazing how the pain went from a 10 or 11 out of 10, if you can believe it, to sometimes a two or a three mm-hmm. just by going through the tapping. So it, it is a very powerful exercise that I I know works, uh, not just from doing it to other people, but from doing it myself. Another favorite part of the book for me was your wonderful section on practices for reclaiming meditation, visualization, and self-hypnosis. And you include four beautiful practices in this book. So everyone, you can take these meditations and visualizations and actually use them. And I was going to ask you before the break, we talked about if you would like to lead us in one, and then you asked me if I would lead everyone in one. So I'm going to thank you for that. What an honor. I'm going to suggest the visualization exercise because I love that one. Mm -hmm. We always meditate on this show. So this is something a little bit different. And this is, of course, from the book, Reclaiming Wellness, Ancient Wisdom for Your Healthy, Happy and Beautiful Life by Jovanka Sierras. So I will read this and I hope I do it justice for you. It's a visualization exercise. This is one of the easiest visualization exercises I know. Ideally, you can practice this simple exercise for several minutes each day, for a minimum of 21 days, or as long as you are working on a particular goal. You can easily incorporate this visualization with other spiritual, meditative, and contemplative practices in your arsenal. So to begin, sit in a calm, quiet place and take a moment or two to check in with yourself and remind yourself how precious you are. Take a deep letting go breath. And as you do, close your eyes. And just pick a single specific dream or goal you are working on, but only one. And bring this goal to mind in vivid detail. Imagine the feelings and sensations that achieving this thing or having this experience will create. Without judgment in a factual manner, see yourself attaining this thing or goal and imagine it as if you were watching a film or video. As you do, again, focus on all five sensations. What do you smell, taste, touch, hear, and see? 
experience the movie of this event in your mind as if it is happening and you are part of it. Notice if anyone else is with you in this experience. Who are they and what do you say to each other? As you visualize what you want becoming reality, what positive emotions do you feel? Focus only on positive emotions and stay with them for several breaths. Let's do a little breathing here. When you feel ready, end the film in your mind lovingly, let it go, and open your eyes and enjoy. That's so lovely. What a beautiful, beautiful visualization. Thank you. Can you tell us how that originated? Because that's such a wonderful thing that anybody can do from the neophyte to the very learned meditator visualizer. You know, the idea behind the practices mentioned in the book is that we want to remove overwhelm and embrace simplicity, right? So we can just do something super complicated or just do something that comes natural to us. And for most of us, daydreaming comes very natural. You know, we sometimes think about, oh, going on vacation and we imagine ourselves at the beach and, you know, splashing about in the water and having a great old time. So we know what daydreaming is. We, we have done it many times. We're experts at it. So how about we just do something similar to that, but more concrete, more specific to the specific goals that we're working on? And it doesn't mean that we're going to stop hustling, right? Like we work has to follow the, the, <laughs> the you know, we, we visualize, we do all the spiritual work and then we go out in the world and do the work. But how beautiful it is to wake up in the morning with this beautiful feeling or going to bed with this realization that we have a way to dream our dreams into reality. Your book is so wonderful. I want to ask you a question completely off topic, but was it difficult to write? Easy to write? Did it pour out of you? Because you're talking about work and that's exactly what you must have done is a lot of work to create this beautiful book. Was it difficult, challenging, fun, all the above? I don't know. I think it was all of the above. I think it was, I am a natural student. I love researching. I love history. So that part was fun. Uh, Putting it together in a way that was semi you know, make sense, <laughs> you know, I was simple. Yeah. That's my co- my coaching approach is very simple. And so I wanted it to be also part of the book. Um, but I had a great time, certainly having the cat, you know, to pet when I was super stressed out. <laughs> next to me. Smart, <laughs> smart. Did you sit down at Javanka like eight hours a day or two hours a day? Like what was your process? Yeah, it was, the goal was to write for 20 hours a week. Mm. And that meant, you know, some days it will only happen for two hours. Some days it didn't happen. And that meant that the next day I had to do four hours. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, so I spent about two to three months researching and putting it together. And then about four to five months writing. That's awesome. That's so great. I also love that you talk about movement. It's so funny in my program as well. It's very important that we do a minimum of 10,000 steps a day, wherever you are, even if you're stuck at home in the pandemic, you just walk. Of course, it's always best to walk outside Mm -hmm. and get that beautiful fresh air and 
vitamin D and all that good stuff. But what are some starting points on how to move more in our lives in simple ways? Can you give us some examples? Yeah. The easiest way, as you said, is walking, right? Is getting out and finding any excuse to walk, whether it is you park farther away, you, you know, take the bus and walk to work, whatever it is. But if you, you know, that's the very obvious stuff. One of the things that I tell people all the time is if you have a pet or if you have children, then that's one of the easiest because running around with a pet, even if the pet is a cat that doesn't go outside, you can still run around. I mean, God knows we go up and down the stairs with the kitty (laughs) for seemingly hours and he's not tired ever. Um, And then even if none of your children, the same thing, like you can run around with your kids, sit outside, garden with your children, like just playing the grass with your, letting any part of your body touch plants and grass and sand and other parts of nature. And uh, if none of that works for you for whatever reason, right, then, you know, we are walking around with these tiny little computers all day long. Find a video, whether it is uh, YouTube or any of these million free apps out mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. whether it is Tai Chi or yoga or whatever other form of movement that you believe works for you yes. and embrace it every single day because you are designed to move. Absolutely. So true. And just, I know where we're talking about movement and now I'm asking about going back in, but can you talk about the importance of going within when it comes to wellness and offer just a few brief examples of how we can do so? Yeah. So we definitely talked about visualization already and tapping, which is another way of going within, but we are not just a body. I think I said this at the very beginning. We, we, it doesn't matter how great your diet is. If your spiritual and mental home are not working in unison, right? If we're constantly looking at in the mirror and saying bad things to ourselves, or if we're struggling with trauma that has not been fully accessed and healed, then we need to work really on that. And it could be as simple as a basic meditation or a contemplative practice of your choice. And the other thing that is important for people, because I hear this a lot, especially from my communities telling me, you know, I'm a Christian or, or I'm a Muslim or I'm whatever it might be. And I don't want to, I don't want to do anything that will go against the dogma. And the truth yes. of the matter is that nothing could be farther from the truth, right? Like when we pray, we're in a state of meditation. Yes. When we recite mantras, we are praying in many ways. So yes. we can find practices that complement each other and help us attain higher level of spirituality, but also affect our emotional self in a way that, yes, when I'm spiritual and I'm in church or I'm in this environment, I could be very spiritual, but am I actually practicing that spirituality right. towards myself and, and the people around me? That's when you know that your mental home, your emotional home, and your spiritual home are actually in unison. Do you meditate every day or often and for how long? I meditate at the very end of the day, right before I go to bed. I try to do 10 to 15 minutes. It's actually guided. So I wait until I'm tired, but not fully sleepy so that I am aware of the fact that I'm meditating. But I I try to doze off to sleep with the meditations. I rarely listen to the very end because I'm actually falling asleep to it. Uh, You're reminding me of such a funny one is uh, John Kabat-Zinn has a beautiful mindfulness meditation for beginner CD. It's in a beautiful yellow case, bright lemon yellow. And, um, 
There's a beautiful body scan on there that's about 40 minutes long. I've never gotten past the, <laughs> the first 10 minutes because I always just <laughs> drift right off. And I do it for, I do do a very similar thing to you. That's so interesting. You also devote a chapter in the book to another wellness practice that I don't think people know as much about. So I found it fascinating. And it's called Oil, Water, and Heat. Mm-hmm. How can we use all of these things to help us heal? Ah, it's one of my favorites. Uh, it's essentially the use of water, hot or cold, so in extremes, and oils to help us access whether it is medicine from the plants, where we, assuming that we're talking about a, an oil that's infused with some sort of essential oil or, or other plants, or using heat or extreme cold to release inflammation and reduce pain and many other clinical uses. It to me is one of the easiest practices to incorporate because it costs us almost nothing, right? Anybody can take a long shower, close the doors and let the steam after the shower, let the steam kind of permeate. Anybody can buy a bottle of, you know, base oil, for example, like you can buy some sesame oil in the wintertime, which is really warming and, and grounding and infuse it with a few essential oils and rub it right after a shower, and just, oh, and then you feel just incredible and you go to bed just feeling amazing. Mm, I love that. What is grounding and why is it so important? Oh, because we are a part of nature, right? We are part of this amazing planet and we are moving away. We have moved away from the connection that we have with Mother Earth. So we walk with shoes all day long. We are inside our buildings. We don't breathe fresh air. We're not in touch with bodies, natural bodies of water or nature. And we are disconnected. We know now that planet Earth is the largest, most powerful (laughs) anti-inflammatory there is. So if we kind of like reconnect with the Earth, and it's literally that. It's literally going outside with bare feet. And playing around in the grass or, or at the beach. And if you can't do that because you live in a city, you can go to the park or you can yes. bring the park to you by doing a little bit of gardening at home. Lovely. Lovely. I love that. Uh, you, okay. So many things to ask you. It's like we need to have two other shows. Most people in North America, you say, are overweight or obese. How mm. can we inspire ourselves and others to become healthier without fat shaming? Mm. Fat shaming is a big problem. I actually believe that we are doing all of us a disservice by talking about the way we look. And mm-hmm. instead, we should focus on the way we feel. Mm-hmm. Our bodies are constantly talking to us. So one of the first things I tell people is, let's start journaling. Once you put something in your mouth, when you're done with that meal, how do you feel five minutes after? Are you gassy? Are you bloated? Are you angry at yourself? Do you feel Mm -hmm. sad? Do you feel a a need to have more food to kind of like replace that sadness feeling with some sort of comfort? That's Mm -hmm. the reason why they call it comfort food. And then once you have a clear picture of how your body is connecting with you and reconnecting with your body, then it's easier to say, you know, I'm going to try some other kinds of food that are going to make me feel a little bit better, a little bit more connected with the part of me that I truly want to connect with. And then it becomes a lot easier to build new habits around the foods that we eat and change the way we look eventually. But it's not about the way we look. It's about the way we feel. It's about having this amazing machine we call a body carry us 
for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 decades of life. Yes. <laughs> I love in Reclaiming Wellness, your book, that you do a 21-day Reclaiming Wellness plan because it really is so easy for people to follow. And what really resonated with me was that each of the 21 days begins with an affirmation. I love the one in the second day, which was, I feel joy and contentment at this moment and it stays with me throughout my day. And by the way, I do. I'm having this conversation. I really do. (laughs) Can you tell us more briefly about this 21-day journey to wellness? Yeah. It's essentially designed for people who are telling me, I don't listen, all of this is great. I love to be able to do them all, but I don't have time, right? I'm a mother. I'm a worker. I, I have people to take care of. How about I put together a little plan for you where if all you can do is one practice, then I'm going to help you find time for that practice. And eventually, day after day, you'll do one or two or maybe up to four of these things. And at the end of the 21 days, chances are you've actually incorporated them all in an easy way. And then Mm -hmm. you are that much of a stronger, well-rounded individual. It's so great. And in the book, I love the way you lay it all out in these beautiful charts. Like it's very easy to follow. Like it was so inviting. I sort of was thinking, okay, when can I start this? Maybe I'll start this tomorrow. (laughs) It's so inviting. Did anything surprise you about the history of the wellness practices while you were researching the book? Yeah. I think the thing that stands out the most is how wise these ancient cultures were simultaneously, right? Even though they weren't talking to one another, you know, the people in Far East Asia were not talking to the Northern Africans or the people in South America. And yet they were looking at nature, using common sense, being curious about botanicals or heat or plants or food or movement and recognizing I can do more. I can use some of these stuff that mother nature is giving me and putting them together. And when you go to every culture from around the world, chances are you'll find something relatively similar that they were all doing some 6,000 years ago. It was really fascinating. I love the story about your grandmother in the book and how she had created almost this pharmacy made of herbs and natural things. And, and you know, right in your own home, you had this, this wonderful person. Can you tell us a little bit about your grandmother? Yeah. She was amazing. She had a fourth grade education and was one of the best educated, wisest people I've ever known because she was an avid reader and she wanted to read different perspectives. Even if she disagreed with them, she wanted to read other people's perspectives. And um, she also was a fabulous gardener. So every time somebody had an ache or a pain, she would just <laughs> disappear to the back and would come back <laughs> with some sort of thing. And you didn't, you trusted it. You're like, she's my grandmother. She knows. And you felt better almost immediately. So then, you know, by the time I was a teenager, I was like, I would call her mommy. Mami Eva. So I was like, Mami Eva, something is aching. And she's like, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Here yep. it is. What is bliss for Javanka Sierras? Oh, so many things. <laughs> but so I love animals. I'm a huge animal lover. I would say even that I like, I like cats and dogs more than I like people. Uh, I could be around them all day long. So that's bliss to me, being around my pet, taking care. You know, before I had pets, I was the the neighborhood mother of all the pets. Everybody that went on vacation (laughs) would leave me their dogs and their cats. Until I eventually decided to get one on my own. Oh, that's lovely. 
What is the most important thing you hope readers will take away from your book, Reclaiming Wellness? Mm. I want people to remember that these practices are, as we said at the beginning, they're not for the privileged few. They are part of your ancestry. They're part of your birthright. And if you embrace just one of them, you are honoring that ancestry. You're honoring the wisdom of the people that came before you. And you will do amazing for the people that are following you for the next generation. That's lovely. What is the best way for people to contact you, Javanka, and connect with you on social media and get your book, of course? (laughs) The book is available everywhere books are sold. So if you type in Reclaiming Wellness and my name on social media and on my own website, I'm found everywhere with my full name and last name, Jovanka CRS. And um, you can't miss me. If you type in Jovanka, I'll probably, I'm probably the only brown <laughs> Jovanka there is. <laughs> That's so fantastic. I want to thank you so much, Jovanka. It's really been delightful to talk to you today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss. I'm in my bliss right now. When we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And I'm so excited to tell you about a wonderful new artist that we are featuring this week, Raquel. Toronto artist Raquel has always been able to sing better than she could speak and has always found it easier to express herself and connect with others through her writing than anything else. Growing up in Scarborough, Raquel was drawn to R&B and hip-hop as some of the most emotional and expressive music she had ever heard. Inspired by the sounds of her parents' musical heroes that played the soundtrack to her home life, Raquel's genre-bending take on pop is distinctly her own, while her lyrical commentary on the human condition and emotion is bittersweet in its relatability. Raquel is currently pursuing her music degree at Humber College while writing, recording, and performing her own body of work to be released within the coming year. The song that you're about to hear is called Soup, and it's a nod to the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. And for those of you who remember, we have had the creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul, Jack Hanfield, on this program way back in season one. So look out for the lyric, I want to be soup for your soul, in the chorus of the song. Let's all have a listen to Soup, written and performed by Raquel. You ruin me in the most beautiful way you came naturally. 
kissed me delicately So gentle, I don't know I think you healed my enemies I wanna make everything alright I wanna be soup for your soul You down for life. I'm in this more than you know. You give me peace that I didn't know was possible, and you can't even feel why it's magic. But the whole world stops when you're laughing. But you see me So honestly I think you might scare me Restless and ashamed But you make it peaceful anyway was so phenomenal, Raquel. Your tone and your voice are absolutely gorgeous. That was just Raquel singing an original song called Soup. And to connect with Raquel on social media, just go to at Raquel.music, M-U-S-I-Q, on Instagram and TikTok. And you can also find Raquel on Facebook at at music by Raquel R-A-Q-U-E-L. And I hope you'll come back again, Raquel. That was absolutely gorgeous. Each week we spotlight a singer, songwriter, or musician on the show. If you're a singer, please write to us at music at findingyourbliss.com. And if you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anyone who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. You can write to us at FYB at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach and would love to help you. So reach out to me at The Bliss Minute. You can DM me or you can write to me at FYB at findingyourbliss.com. You can also reach out and contact us at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. As well, I do meditations and I'm on the Insight Timer app, which is actually the number one free meditation app. And all you have to do is search up Judy Liebrack. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. 
I would like to thank our wonderful guest, Javanka Sierras, for being on the show today. And thank you so much as well to Raquel for sharing your fabulous music with us. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, associate producer and audio engineer, Naira Amani, senior editor, Lauren Kaminsky, video editor, Beatrice Pardal, audio producer, Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. We're going to close out the show today with a short quote, and here it is. If we are not happy, if we are not peaceful, we cannot share peace and happiness with others. Even those we love, those who live under the same roof, if we are peaceful, if we are happy, we can smile and blossom like a flower. And everyone in our family, our entire society, will benefit from our peace. And that was said by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a wonderful Buddhist monk who has a lot of wonderful writings and wonderful quotes, which I love to share. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.